live. And we are live. Three, three. Uh, welcome to three folks talking sports. I know it looks it's three dudes right now, but that'll change. I promise you that will change going forward. At some point, I will have some knowledgeable colleagues from the female persuasion on to talk sports with me and one of these two gentlemen, since the other two are are busy and you know have lives as opposed to me. But I am Chris Gardner of Houston Round Bar View. Welcome again. Joined by Willie Gibson, journalist in Ohio who covers the Ohio State University in Cleveland and Ohio sports. And also the youngster of the group, Andy Yanez from the Community Impact Newspaper. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, man, I'm not even sure where to start because the last 30 minutes, Change it, change my focus a little bit. I want to talk about uh, NBA playoffs and Dame Lillard and, and Portland and things like that. But now this news from, I guess first the first place I saw was Sham Sharani from the Athletic, saying that uh, current Memphis Tigers head coach Penny Hardaway interviewed for the head coaching job with the Orlando Magic, and the Magic are apparently. Seriously, seriously considering Penny for the job. So let's start right there, and we'll get to Dame Rockets, U of H, Quentin Grimes. Well, we can talk Quentin Grimes with with <laughs> Penny Hardaway. Penny. So, uh, just right off the top, what are your thoughts on Penny Hardaway and the Lando Magic? Will you first? I like it a lot. Um, I was contemplating like is it possible from whose like, perspective will from whose <laughs> who's perspective that, that, that's the thing i was like do i like and hate something at the same time for different reasons um i like it for penny and uh orlando clearly i mean you know homegrown talent uh number uh three pick of the draft played several years in in orlando took them to the nba finals along with Shaq in 95. um so it, it brings cachet it brings uh pop back to the job, back to the Orlando organization, uh, possibly could bring Shaq back to the organization. You know, he's had some uh, fractures there since he left. Um, I hate it from the perspective of Memphis in some respects. I mean, um, he seemed to be really getting that program on his feet. Now they, you know, potentially have some issues uh, that could precipitate him moving on, you know, and say looking at this opportunity. Um, but and overall, I, I think it's a good move for him professionally. Uh, go to the next level. Uh, hopefully, they'll give him the time. Uh, the roster is there. You know, hopefully, with, uh, Jonathan Isaacs can come back healthy. Uh, you have Cole Anthony. You have RJ Hampton. Uh, you have some some young talent there, and allow the time to grow along with a a uh, a point guard of, of Penny's ilk and a player of Penny's ilk. I think it's a a good move if, in fact, they allow uh, Orlando goes ahead and uh, and uh, Tiresome. Andy, what do you say? Yeah, I agree with Will. I think this is the perfect spot in the NBA for Penny Hardaway. Uh, just judging from how where Orlando is in terms of the rebuild, it, it appears that they've engaged in. It's going to be a perfect opportunity for Penny to, to come into an NBA program and start basically from scratch and, and build however he, he imagines a, his NBA program to be. But on the other side with, with Memphis and Orlando and, and Chris, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because you've covered Penny's entire time in Memphis. I've covered U of H for two seasons while he was there. But, I mean, every every offseason it seemed like 
there was always Memphis up there with Houston, Memphis number one for the American Athletic Conference. And, well, while I covered them, Memphis was always – those games were big, but they never won the conference or anything. So I'm interested to see from Chris, from your perspective, do you feel that, one, Penny has done enough to, to get an NBA gig, and, two, do you feel like he's underachieved with Memphis these past few seasons that he's been there? That's a lot. He hasn't lived up to the hype, but I'm not sure. Well, no, because he when he took over the job, you know, one of the catchphrases was, we, we want all the smoke. So they brought them, <laughs> brought that on themselves. But real quick, because I want to get on that as well. But from a member's perspective, the Tiger basketball program, it's almost July. Well, I mean, I think some recruiting on the men's side already started this weekend. So the yeah. timing stinks for them from that point of view. Um, John Martin from 92.9 uh, ESPN in Memphis tweeted this out. This is what he's heard about Penny and the magic job. The interview took place this weekend. Orlando officials went into the meeting expecting it to be just a formality and a courtesy call, courtesy interview. But it went much longer than that than they thought it would go. And Penny obviously impressed them. So here we are. So, you know, U of H fans and other people on the outside can hate on Penny and hate how he has done things or whatever. Penny's smart. He knows basketball. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me that he impressed Orlando officials on the interview. Um, you know, like I said, my thing is the timing of this stinks for Memphis. Uh, he was still trying to, I think, I'm not sure if he finished his staff because he had folks leave. I think uh, Coach uh metcalf Myers, uh, he, he left took a, a head coaching job with hbcu team and of course mike miller left for his own gig as well so those things hurt he had a lot of players from last year's squad decide to come back obviously they decided to come back i mean they won the nit with penny coaching so they came back to build upon that success you know winning the nit success if you're not getting to the NCAA tournament clearly that's not the end goal for Memphis Tigers basketball is the NIT, winning the NIT. No, no, they got bigger goals. So from that point of view, I think it stinks. But from Penny's point of view, it's an NBA job, you know, small numbers, a small fraternity. You get head coaching job in NBA, that's, that's a big time deal and you, you will get more money. But one thing that Gary Parrish from CBS Sports, Penny in the NCAA, well, Penny in Memphis program, are being investigated by the NCA's infraction arm where whatever they say, there's no appeal. So Penny could be getting out while he can, <laughs> getting ahead of the law, you know, so to speak, the NCA, the IARP infractions law, so to speak, dropping that hammer on the program. So another thing, I think it stinks. But also, that's smart for Penny, you know, <laughs> who's to say, you know, that's not a wise thing to do. You know, he, he knows you know, the James Wiseman thing was the issue, and that's what all this is really the main thing, the impetus for the allegation and the investigation was because of that. So why not get out while the getting's good? But from a Memphis perspective and from a American Athletic Conference perspective, it stinks because all the cachet that Penny brought to Memphis and local products, hero to the university the city he had memphis basketball relevant nationally when he took over the job on the you know the college perspective 
there was an ESPN Plus program about Memphis basketball, The Harder Way, which so far has been the only ESPN Plus program produced for the conference, for a conference member school on ESPN Plus. So those things are bad. Obviously, my main focus, my main beat is U of H basketball. So head coach Kelvin Sampson and the Cougars have really accomplished a lot of things that national folks expected Memphis to accomplish with Penny in charge, you know, going far to the tournament, being nationally rele relevant, beating top teams, being ranked top 25 consistently, all those things. So if Orlando hires Penny, what will Memphis do? You know, it's kind of late in the game to, to get a coach to keep the players who decided to come back because of Penny. What if they decide to, Hey, my coach gone now. I don't care who you got. I'm, I'm out. I'm going into the transfer portal. Then what if there's a mass exodus? It's July. It's almost, you know, almost July. Mm -hmm. So those kind of things are really big. So I say all that. What do I say to my devil's advocate scenario? Yeah, I mean, you're right. From Memphis perspective, from that, it's July. You're right. The recruiting period opens up. The transfer portal is open uh, with no uh, sit-out requirements due to COVID last year. So there, those restrictions are gone. What is it that's going to hold a, a player there that did come there to play for Penny Hardaway that, that saw the ESPN Plus and saw, you know, you know, I want to play for the point guard that played with Shaq. You know, I want to play with an NBA point guard that can tell me and show me the things that's going to get me to the next level. And they bring in, you know, an assistant, you know, disrespect, assistant from University X. You know, that's not going, that's not a, a, a hire that's going to keep a, 18, 19, 20-year-old kid that came there to play for an NBA All-Star. So, yeah, it could set that Memphis program back along with whatever penalties they face uh, from uh, this case that, that's ongoing with the NCAA. Um, it, it's disastrous, <laughs> disastrous for, for Memphis if he were to leave. But as you said, conversely, on the flip side, power move by Penny Hardaway. You yes. know, not just not just going to the NBA. You're going home, Orlando. You starred in Orlando. You, along with Shaq, basically put Orlando on the map. And so, for you to go back there and again, hopefully they give him the time with that young roster. Um, but just looking ahead, uh, a healthy Jonathan Isaac's along with Cole Anthony again, RJ Hampton, uh, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba. I mean. That's squad. It allowed that, that that squad to grow together along with whoever they bring in this year. I mean, the, the table is set. The table is set. Yeah, you guys have hit every point. Honestly, I mean, it's left for Memphis. They're getting if he does leave and he takes the Orlando job, they're getting left high and dry. And Chris, you you can uh, confirm this, but since Penny's been there, they've had really good recruiting classes in each season. And like you guys have mentioned, the recruits aren't coming to play with some assistant coach from another school or anyone else from the Memphis coaching staff. They're coming because Penny Hardaway's there. Penny Hardaway's recruited them. Penny Hardaway has that NBA experience that all college players, that's what they're attracted to, especially those top-end recruits. And like you guys mentioned, it, it, they'll probably get some type of penalty from the NCAA. They lose their main thing that's kind of helped them with their recruiting class of penny leaves i mean memphis 
if this goes the way it, it might, they're going to end up probably in the basement of the American Athletic Conference for for a while. Ooh, I won't go that far. I won't go. Are that you sure? Far. Because if because they get penalized, because it's, because it's Memphis, and it depends on. The, I mean, we're talking about the NCAA and penalties, and who knows what they're going to do. I mean, the consistency of the NCAA in terms of penalties is is their inconsistency. So they may just give them a two-year probation or something like that. There's no telling. I mean, you know, so, uh, but we shall see what the IARP decides to beat out. It could be, and it, it will be ironic if Penny leaves, you know, if Orlando hires him as head coach, will the penalties be really on Penny? Because he was the main one involved with James Wiseman, you know, paying him the moving expenses you know, to Jane's mom to come to Memphis, move to Memphis. Well, if Penny's gone, what if the uh, penalties are on, are on Penny and not necessarily, you know, tied to the program itself? If it's just a program, what if the program is, okay, we give you a year of probation and you lose a scholarship. They can survive that. You know, if they give Penny a, a five-year show cause, well, Penny's in the NBA, <laughs> you know, in, right. in that scenario. So, you know, all those things, are playing. I will we'll wait and see. Now the assistant coaching staff, mm-hmm. well, coaching staff, Memphis, Cody Toppert. Who's that? For you know, from a national <laughs> perspective, Jermaine Johnson, same. Rodney Hamilton is director of basketball operations. So, if Penny leaves, there's not a a an NBA name that you know high school kids recognize on the staff. So that could be an issue, but. Based on what penalties are put out and the head coach they hired, it may not be this year because it may be an interim tag for this season. They could just wait till next summer when they have more time to hire a name coach. And then maybe that, that name coach will be, hey, I'm going to re- help restore Memphis basketball to what it used to be, you know, that, that kind of thing. So maybe it could be a year away. But Andy, to your point, it's bad for the conference because if it happens this year and Penny leaves, U of H is, is now the bell cow of the conference. If Memphis is without Penny, that's a hit to the conference in terms of notoriety, respectability, a team, especially if, it, if all the players leave. I mean, we're talking a lot of what ifs here. Until we're speculating right now until something happens. But it's bad for the conference. No knock on Wichita State. You know, they did win the regular season last year. You know, they have had success in the tournament, but that was in the Valley, not here in the American. So who's going to be that second team in the conference to help bring the conference up nationally? Cincinnati with West Miller, they're in transition. Wichita State, Cincinnati, who else you got? You know, Tulsa, Stan Heath, up and down. SMU, up and down. The conference needs more than U of H. They need, need more than one team year in, year out to help carry the mantle of the conference. So without Memphis, that's a big blow to the conference. But the tie-in, because Shams Ronnie also tweeted out when he broke this news that Penny has been working with Quentin Grimes, U of H Quentin Grimes, to help Quentin you know, this offseason to prepare for the NBA. Well, if some folks are wondering, Penny working with Quentin Grimes, what's the connection? <laughs> they have the same agency. So it's a small world. So, I mean... The agency isn't paying me, but if they're watching this or they tune in and watch this, y'all want to start becoming a sponsor of three folks talking sports, by all means, do so. Um, it's ISC Basketball, 
David Bauman and Travis King. Travis King was part of ISE, but he's now also part of his own marketing management firm. So Penny has been with them about three years and Quinn signed with them, what, in April. So that's the connection between Penny and Quinn Grimes. So just another example to the fans of Memphis and U of H who hate on U of H from Memphis perspective, who hate on Memphis from U of H perspective, pro basketball is a whole different thing. It's a business. Can, can I look at it from the? Go ahead. Go ahead. Please do. Just look at it from an Orlando perspective. I, I just looked at the names that they've interviewed outside of Penny, and outside of Becky Hammond. I mean, Becky Hammond is a, is, has applied, has interviewed. You look at his sons. They requested permission to speak to Willie Green from Phoenix, mm -hmm. Charles Lee from Milwaukee. Charles Lee is the hot, hot name right now. He's interviewed a couple places. Uh, three assistants from uh, Steve Clifford's, the former coach staff, Tyrone Corman, uh, Pat Delaney, Steve Heitzel, uh, Denver Nuggets assistant, Wes Unsell Jr. So you have those names, and then you have Penny Hardaway. If that's not a PR disaster, if they don't hire Penny Hardaway at this point, to me, for his name to be attached to this job, given all his accolades in that city for that organization, and you don't hire him? What does that say for Orlando? So let's say Orlando has had problems. The organization has been inept for a while, and they will continue to be inept if that's right. the route they, they go. For. And Penny, he is he's a good coach. Mm -hmm. He's not a great coach. He's still learning on the job. He did coach high school. He's got coaching experience on the grassroots level, so it's not like he has zero coaching experience. You combine that with what is his time coaching in college, it would be, you'd have to have a great staff surrounding him in the pros, but he does know the pro game. He does know basketball. So he's got the name. They do have some young talent. It's young. It's not a lot of, you know, a lot of, not a lot of talent, but if they want to go the splash higher in Orlando, Penny is that person. The other names, you know, you touched on Willie Green, and uh, I think Wes Unsell Jr. should go to the Wizards because of his experience and the ties there with, with his dad and, and, heck, him, too, growing up in the franchise. But let's just get right into it. We're going to just tie it all together, three folks talking sports. Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond, Dame, Portland, Chauncey Billups. Yep. Okay, it's been reported that Portland will hire Chauncey Billups as their next head coach. It was reported last week that Becky Hammond, Chauncey Billups, Mike D'Antoni were among the finalists to go back for a second interview with the Blazers for the head coaching job. There was one report, you can question the accuracy of it, who stated that if it were up to the owner, Becky Hammond would be the next head coach. But the reasons for that were given where they wanted Portland to be a trailblazer and in hiring the first woman, woman to be a head coach in the NBA. Stop right there. If it's up to the owner, who else is it supposed to be up to? That part. I was waiting. She's on that. the owner exactly. of the team. Mm -hmm. So if she didn't decided not to go in the direction of Becky Hammond, I'm not blaming Neil O'Shea, the GM. I'm not blaming Dame, anybody else. The owner signs the checks. 
so we can get into the Chauncey Billup stuff, but that's right there. Andy, what are your thoughts on the owner? The owner apparently, for whatever reason, decided to go in a different direction. Thoughts? Well, the, the way you phrase it is, is interesting, uh, just in terms of overall, you're saying that the reason that the owner wanted to hire Becky Hammond was to, to be a trailblazer. Um, yeah, obviously, your qualifications, I, I don't think that's the right way to, to approach this. If you, you want to hire Becky Hammond, it should be because she's the best candidate for the job. And if they don't hire her for whatever reason, then maybe uh, who who was the one that gave that initial report? The owner wanted the, Becky Hammond. The, the, the tweet was from Blazer Banter. Mm. But um, I'm not sure who that person is, but I follow them. They follow me. But a columnist for the Oregonian, John Canzano, he, he didn't doubt it. He kind of confirmed it as well. He's heard similar things that ownership was leaning toward mm. uh, Becky Hammond as, as, as head coach. So that's it that's well then now that there's a whole different it's weird now because if the owner is high on her and they feel like she's the best candidate for the job i mean i know a lot of backlash is going on damian lillard right now but i mean if it's not him who probably has the power to sway that decision i mean really who else could it be if, it, if and, the owner wants one person and they don't go to that person i mean and the owner's name is, is, is Jody Allen. That's who I was trying to think of. I finally found it. Jody mm -hmm. Allen. She she is the owner of, of the, the Trailblazers. So that's woman. So yeah. where's that where's that sisterhood that we, we hear about so much um, from from the female persuasion? So stop, you know, that's one rock. You want to talk toss rocks at Neil O'Shea and, and Chauncey and Dame? Okay. We'll toss some rocks at her too. She's the owner of the team. Now, getting the Chauncey, I had no idea about the allegations that happened in '97 that were charges were brought '98, December '98, until last week. Okay, I, I had no idea. I don't know everything. Okay, mm -hmm. but I don't remember hearing about this back in 1997 when, when Chauncey was with the Celtics. You know, involving Ron Mercer and Antoine Walker, all of them with the Celtics, and a fourth dude, Antoine's roommate, a fourth guy. That person's not, as far as I know, we don't know his name. But Chauncey settled out of court. Uh, there was a report about the uh, evidence, you know, marks on her neck and, you know, some graphic stuff. But Chauncey said the sex was consensual and in a car. Not at his house or Antoine's apartment or whatever. Uh, Ron Mercer said everything happened, what happened with him was at Chauncey's house. So Antoine filed his own lawsuits against Chauncey and Ron, but those that's been sealed. So we don't know what that what the results of that is. You know, non-disclosure, non-disclosure, whatever. He had no idea. But I was touching on with Will. Where's the fourth dude? We don't know who the fourth dude is. What if the fourth dude is one who did all the, the, the assaulting? Okay, until, so I don't know everything. I can understand the perspective of the folks who are trying to be very critical of Portland. Why are you hiring Chauncey Billups based on this that happened over 25 years ago? 
hire other candidates, all those things. I can understand that, but Woj and other people, other teams have investigated. And if we have nothing else to go on, no evidence that it was Chauncey, his DNA, you can go graphic about what, what I mean by DNA, and that woman, that victim, then in my opinion, Chauncey deserves it to be a, a head coach. Until we have more concrete evidence that it was him, specifically him, not Ron Mercer, not Antoine, not that other person, specifically Chauncey, I think he deserved a chance at a head coaching job. Thoughts? I agree. Agreed. And as you were talking, then it made sense. And you know, as you said, you and I talked earlier about this. I had not heard about this until last night at all. As you, as you, I'm going back like 97, 98. But then I just, it makes sense now. Boston took Chauncey Billups number three overall in the 1997 draft and traded him 51 games into his rookie year. Yeah. February of 1998. And at times, like, man. Wait a minute, why are they trading him? They just took him not in the third round. It took him number three overall. Yeah, why'd That's they give up on him? Why'd they cut back so quick? Right. And so now to hear this, and to hear it was Antoine Walker, who at the time was employee number eight, the star of the Boston Celtics, to hear this story now, the dots are connected in my head. Like they had to get him out of there. Rick Patino, Antoine Walker's guy. Ron Mercer's guy from Kentucky, Chauncey Billups was the outlier. They had to get him out of there. So now the quick trade, 51 games into his rookie year, makes sense. But to your point as to, it, it, I mean, he's settled on the court, and settling on the court does not all, is not always an admission of guilt. It's a situation where, you know, people view it as, well, he knew he was guilty, so he just paid her, paid her off to keep her quiet. He it's wanted to go away. the case. Yeah. He wanted he it to wanted... go away. Yes. Exactly. He wanted it to go away. Not necessarily saying what I did or admitting to what she's saying. Now, first of all, first and foremost, we here don't condone sexual assault on women, anyone at all. No way, shape, form, or fashion. Agreed. However, in this situation... It wasn't an admission of guilt. It was, I need this to go away. And the fact that 24 years later, I heard about it for the first time, it uh, was it was successful. Um, and it, the Blazers said Chauncey's account of the story matched what their independent investigation found out. So there was no cover-up. There was no... Um, misinformation or uh, lying at all. He told what the story was and that story matched what independent investigators found out for the Blazers. So at that point, they felt he was the best player for the job. You know, Jody Allen, you know, she inherited the team from her late brother, Paul Allen. You know, I, I'm not familiar with her ownership style. Maybe she told Neil O'Shea, hey, do what's best with, do whatever you feel is best. And he took advantage. He, he took that edict and hired Chauncey Billups. Now we know Dame Lillard publicly gave his blessing for Chauncey Billups. He first gave it to Jason Kidd, 
and that made Jason Kidd uncomfortable to want to come in as Dame's guy. So he withdrew from the consideration. And now Chauncey Billups is the guy, which Udoka was interesting to me. Udoka played in Portland, mm-hmm. the the new coach of the Boston Celtics. So for them not to consider Udoka was kind of interesting to me. But, you know, it appears that, you know, Dame's um, endorsement of Chauncey was was uh, successful. And even then, Andy, I do want you to chime in on this. I'm not even sure if there was so much Dame's endorsement because mm-hmm. as you touched on with I'm being part of Portland, playing with Portland, Neil O'Shea and Chauncey are tight and been tight for years. So I got a problem with that in the sense of, did you just hire the man because y'all boys? Yeah. Not because he's qualified for the job? Because in that case, I got a problem with that. <laughs> I mean, hire the, more, mm-hmm. the most qualified person for the job. And I'm, see, that has nothing to do with the, the allegations, the sexual assault allegations. If you just hired him because he's your boy, then that's on you. And then, once again, going back to Jody Allen, the owner. If she's allowing Neil O'Shea to hire somebody just simply because he knows him because of his friendship with that person, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's an organization problem. What, what do you think, Andy? Man, everything in Portland right now, just there's something off about that whole situation. And now we, we can tie into the report that Damian Lillard and, and the relationship with the front office and, and Blazers' ownership is shaken up and potentially he could ask for a trade. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like you said, you guys, the Chauncey Billups news comes out over the weekend that they're that's who Portland's probably going to hire, and they're leaning in that direction. And then less than 24 hours later, this Damian Little report surfaces. There's something off right there, and I'm not sure what it is. You know, and, and Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes said this afternoon, like I said, Sunday is a big day in basketball news. It's got nothing sure. to do with the playoffs. <laughs> you know, said that that the, the flack that Dame is getting from the Portland fans in addition to the direction of Portland or the lack of direction of Portland and the chances of going far in the playoffs and winning a championship are reasons that Dame may be considering asking out and wanting to go somewhere else. I just, <clears throat> I mean, I'd stick more with the, the direction of the franchise and, and not being good enough to get, you know, far in the playoffs. I, I'm, I choose to believe Dame not going to be sweating the fans, whatever, you know, Fans are fans. Some of them are going to hate on them for not getting 55 every game. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, <clears throat> and, and that's that shows the complete opposite of the seriousness of these allegations regarding Chan- Chauncey as head coach. But fans, if you are choosing to be critical of Dame for not speaking up, how dare the Blazers hire Chauncey Billups based on what happened 24 years ago and based on so far – no evidence tying him, Chauncey Billups, with DNA, DNA to the assault of that woman. What else can Dame do? What I mean, what else? You know, I, I'm not. You know, I'm not going into the the just the 24 years ago. Let bygone be gone. Bygone. No, 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 no. If there is actual DNA that proves that Chauncey was 
And we know what I'm talking about here with when I'm salt, sexual mm -hmm. assault. We know what I'm talking about DNA. Mm -hmm. Other than that, what else can Dame do? Can we do? We just have to accept the investigations, the results of the investigations that have been found now, recently, in the last few years, and just take it as it is. Now, those folks, if they don't want to support Portland, hey, that's fine. That's what if that's your choice. That's fine. If sponsors don't want to do that for that reason as well, that's their choice too. But everybody has choices in this. The Blazers have so far made their choice to stick with Chauncey as their next head coach. We'll see if it works out. Chauncey may stink. He may be horrible at, at X's and O's. They may get rid of him, you know, months into this season. And they, they may come out stinking, may come out two and twenty. And then they could say, Well, Chauncey, this isn't gonna work. And then we're gonna let you go. And then some way in the back channel, they found out something, they found out some evidence and realized, well, it's a good thing we're losing. So now we're gonna use the losses as a reason to get rid of Chauncey. That may happen. But until that happens, we just gotta stick with what we know. All right. That's all that serious stuff. And it had to be discussed mm -hmm. because we're just letting people know that we are gonna discuss things like that on three folks talking sports on the court. Basketball. Are the Clippers dead? 3-1 down the series. Saturday warmed my heart because it was 84-80 score. A lot of bricks <laughs> being thrown. But it's some good defense play too. You know, I lean more toward 84-80 than those 145-140 games that I just can't stand. <clears throat> so, but are the Clippers done? I think so. I think so. And, and, and Chris, you can um, appreciate this. Uh, a caller to uh, the lunch break where you and I uh, became familiar calls uh, the star of the Clippers, John Ringo Paul George. And uh, <laughs> he showed himself to be strong again late in that game yesterday. I mean, I mean, nobody hit a shot in the fourth quarter. I mean, that, that, that goes without saying. But he had opportunities again at the line as he did in game um two and he missed the free throw and you know again oh well he missed both of them didn't he well the first one the second one he wanted to miss on purpose at that point he had you to. mean okay you're talking about last night yeah the, i'm talking about yeah, last night yeah he, yeah, he missed okay. the, the two in game two but then again he follows that up with last night yeah and you can't call yourself call yourself playoff p and you're doing stuff like that i mean you just can't and then come out and say, I'm going to show you I'm a different person. You know, this is who I am. And you're not. And it's like, you know, would it be different if Kawhi was there? Probably. But as it stands right now, 3-1 going, and that's what we talked earlier. I said, you know, the Blazers can go ahead and set that introductory press conference up for Wednesday because Monday, I think it's over. I think it's over tomorrow night. I think Phoenix wins in five and they advance to the NBA Finals. Andy? Yeah, absolutely. I wish I had uh, the Charles Barkley button hit, the guarantee <laughs> button. Um, oh. Yeah. Man, I think Phoenix has it in the bag, especially. I agree. I think they'll close it out on Monday at Game 5. Uh, and, and it's so unfortunate for the Clippers because, I I mean, just looking from what they've done this past few months in the playoffs, they are a real well-constructed team. They had, had Kawhi Leonard probably favored them to not only advance in the series, but 
maybe possibly win an NBA championship. And just going based off these series, even without Kawhi, it could very easily be 2-2 um, going back to game two where, I mean, what a collapse at the very end with the, the law to DeAndre Ayton and, and all that stuff. But, I mean, to win three in a row, two of them being in Phoenix, I don't see it happening. And especially with just Chris Paul on the roster, who's really, he's kind of struggled since coming back from the COVID layoff. And Devin Booker as well, he struggled just since trying to play through a broken nose is probably the, not the most comfortable thing to do. But uh, without Kawhi and just the roster that Phoenix has, I don't see Los Angeles winning three in a row. And I see them losing in game five, like Willie said. Well, they, they got a head coach who's, who's done it before. Yeah, you know, that's true. Ty, Ty Lue has, has led a team. In a similar scenario, three one down, two of those three on the road. So I the Clippers are not dead. For sure. Now ask me in 20 minutes or so before we wrap it up, who I'm gonna pick for game five, but the Clippers <laughs> aren't dead. Okay. And I'm leaning toward picking the Clippers to win game five. They could lose game six because that's who the Clippers are. They've been that they've been up and down these entire playoffs. But getting back to the the, the DeAndre Aiden Valley Oop, did y'all know that rule that you could there, there is no goaltending on an inbounds play? Did y'all know that before it happened? Because I didn't. I did not. No, Jeff Van Gundy enlightened me that night. Andy, did you know about it? I didn't know about it specifically, but it, it kind of makes sense. So, you know, we're still learning. We're not dead yet. All right. <laughs> Eastern Conference. Is Drew Holiday the the ice tray stopper? <laughs> he wasn't game one. He definitely but, wasn't game one. But how much how much how much time did he spend defending Trey Young? Strictly in game yeah. one compared to well, games. So I think, it, you know, I mean, we, we could have to look at the numbers and, and, you know, check the synergy stats, things like that, to see how much time yeah. he spent one-on-one with, with Trey. But the Bucks made adjustments. One adjustment is Brooke Lopez was more active on the high screen instead yeah. of keeping it behind in the paint, you know, in the free throw line mm-hmm. like he did in game one, giving Trey Young five to ten feet of open space once he got off around the pick. So that was an adjustment. All right, game three, we're about 50 minutes away from game three. Mm-hmm. Who's going to win game three? Well, well Andy, go ahead. I'll take I'll, I'll, Andy. I'm going to go with Milwaukee to win game three. And the, the, with the matchup, I keep going back to matchups. Um, and we've counted out, or at least I've counted out Atlanta for the past two series, but I think, and I said this before the series began, I believe, just the, the way Milwaukee is, their roster compared, they have a whole bunch of different players that are lengthy. And like you mentioned in game one, the way they were guarding that pick and roll was questionable, especially they kept leaving the, the bigger, whoever was the second off on the receiving end of the pick in the paint and sagging off, which was a questionable move. But overall, I feel like the Bucks have the, the personnel to be able to guard the Hawks, especially Trey Young, that length. 
is something that should bother him, and it, it did in game two. And I believe Trey Young had nine turnovers in that game and struggled to shoot the ball. I don't think that's obviously he had a bad game, but I think that's more has to do with the Bucks and the personnel that they had to guard him that New York didn't have and that Philadelphia couldn't do. So for that reason, I, not only am I taking the Bucks to win game three, I'm leading towards the Bucks being able to close out this series. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I'd say in six, but I wouldn't be surprised if they they were able to close it out sooner. Okay. Well, what, what do you say? Uh, I'll take the Charles Barkley guarantee button right here. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. five. I'm doing it in five. I think they wow. <laughs> Did we lose win? Figured out. Yeah. This is okay. how you got to stop trading. I think. Yeah, I do. I really think they, whatever they did in that off day of Thursday, whatever adjustment they made on the defensive side, I know Trey's going home, and I say this in 50 minutes, he could drop 50. But I think they figured out, and not only that, Giannis showed you on Friday night what he can do. And I promise you, if I'm Mike Budenholzer, I come up with a graduated fine schedule. Every time Giannis shoots a three, it's (laughs) 10,000 for the first one, and it goes up after that. Because you saw when he gets in the paint, two dribbles, a spin move, and he's at the cup. Why are you shooting threes? They can't stop you from getting to the cup. And if Chris Middleton can get his shot together, I mean, they kind of you, you kind of forgot about it because they jumped on him quick in the second quarter, and and we're forty for a great part of that game on on Friday night in game two. But if you look at his numbers, going back to game seven against Brooklyn, nine for 26, six for 23 in game one when they lost by three. So if he goes eight for 23, Milwaukee goes 2-0 going back right. to Atlanta. So six for 23 for Chris Middleton in game one, six for 13 in game two. He has to get his shot together. He has to. I know he has to do a lot. I know he covers a lot for Giannis on some other one, but he has to get his shot together. For I mean, and I still call Milwaukee to win this series, but it can be a whole lot easier if Chris Middleton can get his shot together and be a little more consistent on the offensive side. Now, what I'm playing the Hawks role here. What can Nate McMillan do? I think they need to uh, send a double team at Giannis quicker on his drives. You know, John Collins and Clint Capella, just, just hey. Or just back up off of him more, you know, bait him in into taking more outside shots. Because the huge difference between Giannis and Ben Simmons, Giannis is aggressive all the time. He he is not going to settle. Well, not saying, you know, not all the time. Most of the time. He's going to attack. He's in attack mode. He's going after defense time and time again. He may throw up some ugly jump hooks. You know, stuff that has no chance of going in whatsoever, but he's going to get into the paint. You know, Ben Simmons is afraid of the paint. He's afraid of the foul line. He's afraid of, you know, dunks, as we saw. But, yeah, I think we're all, all three of us agree. The Bucks are the better team. They need to play like it. If the Bucks play their A or A minus, B plus game, and the Hawks do the same, A, A minus, B plus, the Bucs are going to win. The Bucs have a better team. 
And I wonder if Will's gone because he looks like he's, he, his face has not moved at all. Yeah. He doesn't blink or anything like that. <laughs> so so yeah. with that yeah. note, we're, we're going to, Andy, that's a perfect segue because we we'll come back in. We're going we're gonna to shift gears and talk some U of H men's basketball. Uh, we had Quinn Grimes who had Man, look at Quinn. Two, two great showings mm-hmm. at the uh, NBA draft combine in the five-on-five competition including that 27-point game in the, in the second game when he had uh, 7 or 12 from three-point range, followed up a solid performance in the first game. I said, and Andy, I think you listened to my one-on-one podcast about this, about Quinn back in April or so when, when he, we all expected him to, to go declare mm-hmm. for the NBA draft. I mentioned then that I thought he was going to be drafted. I, I thought that I thought it'd be in the second round, mid second round around 40 or so. But then when more international players, good international prospects put their names in, I was like, man, I'm not sure if Quinn's going to get drafted. You know, his name is fucking sliding down the, the, yeah. the draft board and ESPN draft express had him at 60. Yeah. A lot of 60, 60 picks. Him. Yeah. Some had him. Late, late 50s second round and, or not drafted yeah but he's his performance at the combine has opened eyes once again um he shot the ball well um i think he's a he's a combo guard. i think he, he could play some point in the nba i think i'd be a better position for him his defense mm. was not going to be a question because kevin sampson u of h demanded <laughs> you know so if Quinn didn't play defense, he wasn't going to play at U of H. He's rebounding. He's gotten better. So his game has improved, and you saw that the last few days in Chicago. Andrew, just what are your thoughts on could you see Quinn being a rocket uh, at the 23rd or 24th pick in that first round? Ooh, man. Uh, certainly the past week, Quentin Grimes, his draft stock is just going up, up, and up especially with that last performance he had in, in the scrimmage. Um, has he done enough to be a late first-round pick? That is – that's tough. But I think if, if there was one team that would have to take him in the first round, it would be Houston, not only because they have the three different first-round draft picks, which, Chris, you, you don't believe they'll keep all three by the end of that, July 29th. Uh, but just in terms of they're, they're closer to the University of Houston, of course, they have connections. Kevin Sampson has connections to the Houston Rockets, so – they have a lot more information available when it comes to Quentin Grimes. I'm not, I'm not sure if it'll be a late first round pick. I think he's, I think there's enough yet where he could jump all the way there. Now, if he has those private workouts and he impresses teams, I know, I believe, I think I might be confusing with Dejan, but I know Quentin Grimes has been working out with, with teams recently, and I believe that Quentin also had a workout with the Celtics, if I'm not confusing right. it with, with, with Dejan, yes. but I think I saw that. So who knows? It just takes one team to really like him, and I agree with what you said, Chris. He's done wonders for his draft stock. I think he's pretty much guaranteed that he'll be taken at some point on July 29th. Has he done enough to jump into the top 30? I'm not sure yet, and like I said, I feel if there was one team that would take him that, that early, it would probably be the Rockets, considering the the amount of draft capital they have. But I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. If that makes sense. Well, what are your thoughts on on Quentin Grimes? And 
potentially being a first round pick? You know what? It only takes one. I mean, it's one of 30. So, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, draft rankings and projections are just that. They're they're projections, you know. We all have people we speak with. We all have sources. But at the end of the day, that decision maker just has to turn in the card. So is it possible for him to be a first-round pick? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and what do you have, 27 uh, Friday night? Mm -hmm. Friday night in the – and the seven threes, yep. seven threes. So, you know, you, you look at the tail end of the first round. Um, you said Houston's 23 24. Then, after that, the Clippers, you know, Reggie Jackson's mm. made a lot of money in this post business. He may not be back, so that's a role, not for his um, money that he wants. <laughs> I promise you that. True, fair enough. And Denver. You know, Denver's always, I mean, that's a a, a player, mm-hmm. I think, that can fit in Denver. Um, Brooklyn, Philly. I mean, so th- yeah. there's there's room. There's room for him to get there in the first round. and only takes one. So do I think he can be a first-round pick? Absolutely. You know, Chris, going back Go ahead. real quickly, I was going to say, we, we, we mentioned Philadelphia. I believe, wasn't there talk before last year's NBA draft that Philly, Philly – Philadelphia was kind of high on Nate Hinton too to pick him. Like with, the, I think they had like a fifty-six yeah. pick mm-hmm. at the end of the second, and there was a lot of t- chatter that that they might have interest in on Nate Hinton. And obviously, Daryl Morey now that he's in Philadelphia, um, that's another person with the Kelvin Sampson connection. They have a, a good relationship there that maybe they could take Quentin Grimes. So I could see that as well. Yeah, Quentin in the two games played about fifty minutes uh, in total in two games, thirty-nine points. Uh, he nine for 16 from three. He was two for mm. four in the first game, seven for 12 from three in the second game. First game, he had four turnovers. Second game, he had one. So improvement there. He came off the bench in second game. I think if we hear that he has received, if he stops working out for other teams, that means he got a guarantee from somebody. So if we start hearing, if we see that this, this week coming up, these next few days that Quinn Grimes is no longer working out, he's shutting it, shutting it down. He got a guarantee from somebody, and we could assume that that's going to somebody in the late, you know, first round. So he uh, he, mm. he shot the ball well. I get a kick out of the reactions to fans of the the clips that are being shown on Twitter of uh, prospects at the combine. They're edited. <laughs> you know, you can look at them and tell, you know. Mr. Budenai from uh, UConn worked out. He made 12 threes in a row. What I didn't like about his, his shot release is there's too much motion in it to me. He, he catches the ball like at his waist and got to bring it up. And that takes too long. This is the NBA, man. You got to have a quick release, you know, or a very, very high release if you're going to bring it down from your stomach and then do all that stuff to get it off. So, but just slow your roll on what you see on Twitter, you know, the edits and all those things mm-hmm. in, the, in the one-on-one workouts, because those are, they're sliced and you know spliced together. But Quinn will get drafted. I was certain of that until oh May, when his name started falling down the mock draft boards and stuff. But now I'm sure he's gonna get drafted now. I think this week, performance at the combine, he will get drafted. You know, Andy, you and I talked about it last year with Nate Hinton. I thought Nate made a mistake, should have gone back to school. I don't believe there was a chance in hell he was going to get drafted. 
I didn't care what the, the mock draft said about him going to Sixers. I didn't think there was a chance in the world he would get drafted. I talked to scouts. He wasn't going to get drafted. He got a two-way contract with Dallas, so good for him for doing it that route. But Quentin is – he will be the first since Damian Dotson to be drafted in the NBA. These two rounds. He's going to get drafted. So that would be good for the program. If he's a first-rounder, it's better for U of H. They can go – they can tell prospects, hey, we got, we got a kid drafted in the first round. This is what we can do with you. We can develop you, develop your game, develop your skills. This is what we can do here going forward. So we're a Final Four team, and we got first-round picks on the squad now as well, help you develop. Speaking of U of H, I think I sent it to you as well, Will. I know Andy got it also. The Cougars' non-conference schedule is beginning to take shape. Mm-hmm. Piece by piece, the big news is, you know, because early in the week, Montana Tech announced – they announced, U of H hasn't announced it, but they announced <laughs> they will be coming to Houston and Petita Center on November 6th. And folks will be like, Montana Tech, who was that? That's where Kevin Sam had his first head coaching job in the NCAA, Montana Tech. Mm-hmm. So he went from Michigan State as a um, development coach, working on Judd Heathcote. Will, do you know that that staff with Judd Heathcote, Kevin Sampson, and Tom Izzo? I didn't know that till just now. I knew it was there. But <laughs> so yeah, yeah, how about that? So yeah. so Judd Kelvin has said that uh, Judd Heathcote helped Kelvin get that job at Montana Tech. He started as assistant coach and then was promoted to be head coach the next year after that. So that's the connection there. So we got Louisiana Lafayette's going to be on the, the non-conference schedule. John Rothstein announced that earlier this month. Louisiana Lafayette, eh, okay, whatever. But, but... A big boy from the ACC <laughs> is on the schedule. The Virginia Cavaliers are coming to town. Coming to Houston for Tita Center. Yeah, that's big. That is big. November 16th, that's a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, got to figure it's going to be on ESPN or ESPN2. It's going to be on one of those four letters. Well, yeah, it won't be on yeah. ESPN+. Plus. It won't be on, you know, no. It's going to be on ESPN mm-hmm. or ESPN2, one of those two. Because help me out here, fellas. Tuesdays on ESPN, the conference, whose conference are showing? That is a Tuesdays are usually an American Center Conference is showcase, it? isn't it? AAC's on Tuesdays, I think. Mm. Oh. I don't know about non conference, though, but I, I, maybe conference play. I think Tuesdays, if listeners are tuning in, JB, you, you're watching. So somebody tune in, send me a message, send us a message. But I, I, I know the American, the American on Tuesdays. They I, they have a day. It's usually on ESPN too. It they might do be have a day. Thursday. Two, you know, one of those. It might Tuesday, be Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday. But yeah, mm-hmm. right. But because UH doesn't play that often on Tuesdays, it's usually on Wednesday or or Thursday. And I know Wednesday ESPN. It's NBA day on ESPN uh, for the most part on Wednesdays. But so, I, yeah. I See, think it might be Thursday. See, that's why you're part of the show, man. You got to help me, help me out. See, you know, I don't know everything. I say that all the time. I'm here to learn as well. But Tuesday, November 16th, UVH will host Virginia inside Fertitta Center. Another two non-conference opponents are known, prominent non-conference opponents. Oklahoma State will be that's December been. 18th, Saturday. That'll be at Dickey's Arena, part of a double hitter at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth. And Coach Kevin Sampson has said that they will also play Alabama on mm-hmm. the road 
that'll probably be in December as well. We're not sure about that. They hasn't been confirmed yet, but that matchup should have taken, would have taken place last season, but COVID forced a cancellation. And that was when U of H got hit by COVID. And I think yeah, the entire team had COVID at one point in December. I was in so, the middle of their big palms. So yeah, Andy, I heard you say LSU. I'm not sure. Yeah. If that's, that's what I was going to ask you. Right. Because so, yeah. it was supposed to be the home and home starting right. last season, right? Or right. was it set to start this season? So that so that may have changed. But Will, so we got Virginia, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, Alabama, plus Houston will be in the Maui Invitational the week of Thanksgiving, November 22nd through 24th. And the teams in that are Butler, Ho Shamanad, U of H, Notre Dame, Oregon, St. Mary's, Texas A&M, and Wisconsin. So there are some big time programs in that as well. Definitely. So that's that's a that's a strong non conference schedule for uh, the Cougs and Kelvin Sampson. Oh, without question. I mean, outside of the the games you mentioned, you know Virginia, but Oregon and that Maui Invitational, Dana Altman, for whatever reason, year after year. And they don't get a lot of coverage because they are in the Pac-12. But then the Altman is putting together a program out there in Eugene. And mm-hmm. for them, you know, that, that would be a matchup I would like to see in Maui. Uh, I don't know. You know, clearly the brackets haven't been – matchups haven't been released yet. But Oregon-Houston, you know, depending on how they set up on a Wednesday final, that, that could be something. That could be yeah. something. Oregon was, I think – Houston's first opponent when they opened for Tudor Center, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Coach Sampson and Dana Allman have a great relationship. So I think they'll be in, on opposite sides of the bracket. Mm-hmm. And I think ESPN would love to have U of H and Oregon in the championship game for TV. So looking at maybe Houston playing, I mean, it's not like, I mean, Butler's a good program. Texas A&M might be the weakest of the, not, you know, just kind of Shamanad. Texas A&M might be the weakest of the other seven schools, you know, and that's yeah. not, I'm not knocking the Aggies, but in compared to Notre Dame, Butler, Oregon, St. Mary's and Wisconsin and Houston, the Aggies are behind Houston. Aggies, yeah. you got to, you have to accept that fact. They are um, in basketball, clearly men basketball, <laughs> specific. So, yeah, but I'm looking forward to that. November 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, Houston in the Maui Invitational. So that's big time for the program. And they had a big time recruit. Will, did you hear, have you heard anything about uh, Jerace Walker? Because he had his visit, I think, at Ohio State last week before he mm-hmm. had his visit with uh, Houston this week. Jerace is in town and and Andy, you you commented on this, and, and this is a nice touch. Uh, he he put on his Instagram, and he's at uh, IMG Academy, <laughs> six eight. Looks like he's like 230, 240 already. You know, young man. He's a grown young man. But yeah. the pictures that U of H had him take during his visit, and it's an, an official <laughs> visit, one of his five official visits was uh, with U of H. Followed. Auburn and Ohio State, excuse me, Will, the Ohio State. Thank you so much. Um, was with 
the American Conference Trophy and, and what was the Final Four, the Midwestern Trophy? What was, what was it? What was it, Andy? Tell me what you saw in the pictures. Yeah, it was the, it was the Midwest Regional Trophy that they won uh, after they beat Oregon State in the Elite Eight. So they're putting those trophies to good use already with the with their recruits. And, I mean, that's what they need to do. And you mentioned course, the, the non conference schedule, the non conference schedule that they have. I'm pretty sure that's another recruiting tool as well because these are big time games, and. I've, the pitcher, I mean, you could go to another program where you're not missing anything if you come to Houston. And Houston, like you mentioned, if they can get Quentin Grimes to get drafted in the first round, that's another thing. I mean, Houston's got a lot of things going in their favor, and, I mean, they're taking advantage of it. There's nothing more you can say. Yep. And they did announce, U of H Athletics announced, that all these sporting events, the fan capacity will be 100%, 100%. for this, this season. That was going to be an issue for men's basketball. I mean, it's going to be sold uh, Chris, out. Or, 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 sir? If they're yes. at 100% capacity for fans, does that mean media gets to go back into the press room? That is a great question, Andy. We need to reach out to our friend and colleague associate, uh, Jeff. Jeff Conrad, and ask him about that. That is a great question. Mm -hmm. So we need to find that out. Will, have you heard how about, have you heard anything about media in Ohio for attendance this coming season? Uh, no, uh, from what I, I understand, no capacity will be for fans 100%. So I kind of take that as, you know, media should be following suit and be right there. Um, I do know for the NFL, they did mention, um, non-vaccinated media members will not have access to the press box field or locker room. So that's, that's something that the NFL, yeah, that's something the NFL has. Uh, released. They released that uh, about 10 days ago, I believe. But as far as anything uh, Ohio State related or uh, things of that nature, I know uh, fans will be welcomed back at 100% capacity, uh, but nothing on, on media. So I would I would think that would be uh, the same. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. I got about a 90-second clip from a Rockets general manager, Rafael Stone. He had his media availability with us Tuesday after the results of the NBA draft lottery. This is his wrapping up the immediate session. Of course, the Rockets got the second pick in the uh, in the upcoming draft behind my Pistons. Um, and of course, <laughs> if y'all have not seen the lunch break from KYK <laughs> from this past Thursday, just go to my Twitter or go to the AJ Jones on, on YouTube and see what I did for that show, for my time on the show. You can see that I'm quite biased when it comes to Detroit Pistons. Um, yeah. I have my caps on. I had, I had my jersey shown as well, Pistons jersey. So, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, just fellas, I'm going to play. Like I said, it's about 90 seconds. It's not quite two minutes. And I'm going to play this and it's going to take up the whole screen. So, uh, well, let me see if I can do it one more way. But yeah, but thoughts, gentlemen, just your thoughts on what the Rockets should do with the with the uh, second pick in the, in the in the draft? Before I play this clip, real quick. Oh, before you play the clip, mm. yeah. Um, for selfish reasons and seeing that Cleveland's behind them at number three, um, take Evan Mobley. <laughs> Andy, if they're gonna keep the pick. You got the faction of, of Rocket fans on Twitter kind of no, divided no, no, no. up. You, Indianas, uh, you. 
You, you, you. If I'm in charge, what do I do with the second number two pick? The first yes. thing I'm doing, I'm calling Portland and letting them know if they want the pick for Damian Lillard. Uh, okay. The second thing I would do was I'd probably take Jalen Green with the number two pick. Okay. Now, here we go. I'm going to play this. Hopefully, it plays right <laughs> off as I open it. So, here, here's some comments from Rafael Stone, Rockets GM. So it's going to be a fun next few years. I think we we have a really we have a really good group of guys already. We we have we have some very talented players. We're really young, um, on the whole. Um, we do have a we we do have kind of an interesting mix of some veterans who are pretty good too. Um, but but generally, you know, the core of this group is very young, um, and we're going to add some more young guys um, who are hopefully really really talented. And I think. Uh, I expect and think that uh, that we're going to be a fun team um, to watch grow, and, and I and I hope I hope our fans enjoy it. Um, uh, I think I think it's I think it's going to be a, a, a fun next few years. Um, you know, to to rehash some things I said at, at, in at prior availabilities. Um, you know, our, our goal isn't to do anything overnight. It's it's to build something really sustainable and. Um, and so, you know, we're, yeah, we're excited. Um, I think, you know, we, we feel good about the project. We feel good about the plan and, um, and, and, and really hope that, uh, that our fans enjoy it with us. I, I think, you know, we've been up until this year, we've been a perennial top team, which is really fun. But, but I also think there's, that, that it can be really, really fun to, to watch someone grow into that. And, and I think that's the stage we're at now. We're trying to, we're trying to grow, you know, back into a perennial contender, and we're very confident that we'll get there eventually. Thoughts? He seems like he's trying to sell the the fan base into a, a long term rebuild project there. With how fun it will be to to see a team grow, but I mean. You know, Chris, you, you probably can attest to this, but there's some rumors coming around that maybe Detroit's not sold on Kate Cunningham at number one. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's just a rumor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. They're, they're, they're picking, they're taking Kate Cunningham. You know, they're just, I thought about this, um, except in years, I mean, even if in the LeBron year, there was talk about, well, you know, if the right offer comes along, you know, but still. You know they're going to take LeBron. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Detroit's going to take K. Hey, you know unless they are blown away by some massive trade proposal, they're taking K Cunningham. So, folks and and some outlets and less respectable outlets are going to try to get the clicks out there and put things out there. Detroit's take K Cunningham. Yeah, I mean K's going to work out for one team. It's going to be the Pistons. Period. Now Detroit's going to do with other team, but every team does. They're going to bring in more players for evaluations because they have picks in the second round that they may decide to trade to get into the first round. Heck, I think the Pistons have three second round picks. So they may fall in love with Quentin Grimes and say, you know, let's package our three picks in the second round, move up to 25 and get Quentin Grimes, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Detroit might say, hey, Rockets, we're going to give you our three second round picks for 24 or, you know, whatever. Something like that. But yeah, I would be, never say never, but I would be absolutely shocked if Detroit does not take Kate Cunningham with the first pick in, in a 2021 NBA draft. And hopefully they do because 
God willing, knock on wood and all those things come August. If media can attend the Vegas Summer League, my behind will be there for <laughs> two or three days. So, but yes, that's my thought on that. Well, yeah, um, I, I, I listened to to Mr. Stone and all I have to think is Kobe Altman because that's exactly what Kobe Altman mm -hmm. has been saying and actually did say as well on Tuesday night. Um, you know, when LeBron was here, they went all in. And when he left, they knew it would be a 40-year, four- to five-year process. Now, this is going into year four of that process. So now they're starting to uh, elevate or escalate their rebuilding process. But um, to, to hear that, you know, as Andy said, he's setting the stage and and tempering the expectation of, look, yeah, you know, we're young. Eh, we got some veterans that are good, too. You had to throw that in there. But this is not a quick fix. You know, this is for this. We're in this for the long haul. And again, Kobe Altman said that. But now in year four, there's talks of that, three, that number three pick can be up. Uh, for sale, if as well, you're willing to take the two years and sixty million dollars left on Kevin Love's contract. And, and, and a sidebar: that's why Kevin Love's playing on the Olympic U.S. Olympic team this year. It's to rebuild that trade value. Yes, it's to get him in an environment that people can remember. This is really what he can do on the basketball court. He hasn't done that in the last two years. So allowing him to play and let that footage be circulated. Hopefully they can generate some interest and get that contract off the books. We got one comment. We got Team Suggs. Team Suggs. That's, that's Jalen Suggs. <laughs> Andy, you said Jalen Green. Will, you said yeah. Evan Mobley for the Rockets. I said I, I kind of split the difference with y'all when I was on the lunch break on Thursday. I said I believe the Rockets would take Jalen Green. Mm -hmm. I would take Evan Mobley because I think his long-term potential uh, is a little bit higher. I think he and Christian Wood, I like tall, skilled big men. <clears throat> That's so, I like skilled, tall men, players. And Evan Mobley is a tall, skilled young man. I think he can grow into it. My concern with him is, can he put on some weight and get stronger? Because that's one of Christian Wood's issues yeah and, you know and, and c wood is 25 evan mobley's still got 18 19 and christian wood still still having problems you know mm -hmm. getting bigger and stronger so can evan mobley do that can he be able to carry that weight you know well first put on weight so get bigger and get stronger that's my concern with him but talent wise i think that's what i would do at two but I think the Rockets are going to go with, with Jalen Green just because they need scoring. They, they need buckets. They need scoring. And we got Team Suggs from Menard here. Yeah. He's chiming in. Hey. He's making a good I, argument. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I know Suggs is a football prospect. I know all that. He's resilient. No. Assists, agreed on all those things. But we're talking about what the Rockets are going to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, Chris, I think the Rockets are going to take Jalen Green. Do you, do you think that uh, being on Gonzaga has kind of hurt Jalen Suggs a little bit just in terms of how well-rounded and overall, like how deep they were this past season? Yes, it, 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 hurts. it hurts him for teams who, who are not prepared. 
as other teams. Mm. Teams who do their homework, they, they know how good Jalen Suggs is. Teams who are, you know, in comparison, lazy to other franchises, there's a reason why some teams stink for years, okay? And there's a reason why some teams have sustained excellence. Part of that is uh, player development and personnel and front court management. So, Will, you touched on the Cavaliers. Who, who would we say, which group are the Cavs leaning more toward? The reason that they stink for a while or the reason, are they in the group that has long-term success? Oh, there, there's a reason they stink for a while. It's the law okay, of the see, there, see, there we go. See, see, if you divide into two different groups, the group that has the long-term stinking would say Jalen Suggs, Gonzaga, he didn't show me that much. Uh, the team that have long-term success, yeah, but did you see what he did? And he won. Did you see the team that he has around him? Did you see why he won? Did you see what things that he can do? Now, can you see him do that in workouts? Can you see what he can do, his other skills that he possesses? See, those kind of teams, they'll pick, they don't know how good Jalen Suggs is. So, but yeah, because every sport has it. Every sport has teams that, that are awful forever. Every, every pro league, there's always a handful of teams that just are trash year in, year out. So, oh, will the five wide out strategy hurt Green and KPJ backcourt? See, see, Lenard's asked some questions here, and I appreciate it. I'm glad you tuned in asking the questions. Yes, yeah, sure. I like, I like Dalen Green. Well, no, I mean, I think the Rockets will pick Dalen Green because of his scoring potential. I think he and Scoot, Kevin Porter Jr., can work together long term. But you're continuing on development with KPJ as well. Rogers play development. John Lucas is, is key to that development of the younger players. I think he, Green and KPJ long term, the Rockets, the Rockets envision that backcourt being a backcourt, successful backcourt for years to come. Don't remind me. Stop that's the, yeah, that's the Rockets. Well, you, you know. Kevin Porter you Jr., know you I had him. Know. You, you know him. I you, know. You had him in, in, in Ohio, so. You know I know. You've got but, to be see, yeah. And You know, hey, I like I said, I like Evan Mobley and his potential. Mm -hmm. Skilled big man, 6'11", Christian Wood. You know, I think that tandem could work. And look at DeAndre Aiden. Obviously, neither one of those two are as big as DeAndre. But you are seeing more production from big men in these playoffs. Aiden, Jokic, Embiid. So if you have, if big men have skills, the NBA, some NBA teams are realizing, hey, it's not a bad idea to go with a skill big man. Yeah, duh. You know, that's that's a truism that kind of lost its way the last few years, but I think it's coming back. So I think I made Lenard laugh by that. <laughs> but yeah, so I think, well, maybe Will's comments on, because Will, you know, you cover the Cavs, you saw it firsthand. And, Go ahead. I want you to time in about Kevin Porter Jr. with Cleveland. Go ahead. So what you're telling me with the Rockets taking Jalen Green, that's why I said selfishly I want the Rockets to take Evan Mobley because I need Jalen Green at three for Cleveland. But truth be told, yeah, the Rockets should take Jalen Green and they do it to Cleveland again. They got Kevin Porter Jr. out of here. Well, feelings, fractured feelings got Jalen Kevin Porter Jr. out of here. Um, 
I'll say that. And What's, now, Will, ask mm. and, and say what you can about this. Yes. Did they reach the breaking point? Because I mean, there were issues that school did have some issues with yeah, Cleveland. Absolutely. So they, the Cavs just reached the breaking point, and that they just said that was it. Well, I'll say this: the incident that was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. Other players have done the exact same thing and stayed. I'll say that. I'll say that. Um, what, you know, yes, there were issues. Absolutely. I mean, but you knew there were issues when you got him at 30. He's a top yes. 10 talent. And you got him at the last pick of the first round. So you knew there were issues there. Was From it Detroit, right? Sorry? From Detroit. Didn't the Pistons draft him? Or- there's no, trade. they traded with Milwaukee. Okay. They, they traded several second round picks to Milwaukee with a 30th overall pick in, in the back in the back end of the first round, and they took KPJ. So you knew there were issues there. And were there issues once he got here? Yes. Absolutely. Um, was the infrastructure there to support him? Sometimes. And but again, the the, the incident that got him traded. Other players have done the exact same thing. And we're here. And so are some of those players still on the team? On the current team? Yes. Could, I, I could ask further. Did you mention this one of those players a few minutes ago? I cannot, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that answers the question. So folks who are tuning in this late, this when we're done with this live stream, just back up a few minutes. You can you can hear for yourself who who we're talking about about one of those players who's still on the team mm-hmm. on the Cleveland Cavaliers. No, what, now, in fairness, one is not. One yes, is not. One, in, in fairness, one was part of the championship team, but did the exact same thing. But did the exact same thing, and was celebrated as an NBA champion. But yeah, I mean, it's just as again, you just said it. You got to have the infrastructure in place. John Lucas is clearly there in Houston. He's done a, mm-hmm. a, a great deal of uh, positive work with uh, Scoot since he's been there the short time. But I mean, you had him here, and you and you you gave him away. Literally a top, but top fifty-five protected second-round yeah. pick. Come on, yeah. And and for the folks who don't know, because. When I asked about this, um, you gave the answer off the record, I think on our first live stream, just let folks know how he got that nickname, where Scoot came from. Yeah, I think it was his grandmother. His grandmother, he, was, he used to love scooters uh, when he was a little kid in Seattle. And he always had a scooter. And so his grandmother started calling him Scoot. Simple as that. You know, sometimes yeah. it's just simple like that. Okay, we're going to wind it down so folks can get ready to watch uh, game three of of the Bucks and the Hawks. Andy, how can folks find you on social media? They can find me on Twitter at Ayana's underscore five. I think it's scrolling down under the scrolling, thing. Yep. If, if they're showing this thing, um, or if it looks the same as it does on YouTube. And uh, big things with Potasama Jam, I'm trying to get uh, uh, UH big name to have a, on a podcast. We're trying to lock down a, a time to record this week. If I can get him to agree to a time, then we'll have a, a good episode uh, this coming Thursday. But Pod Slime Pajama, P A W D 
Slammer Jamma, like the five Slammer Jamma teams, the old 1980s U of H teams. And yeah, on Instagram, Ayana's five no underscore on Instagram. So find me there. And Will, how can folks find you on social media? You can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Will Gibson7. And we're still working on that, on that podcast, right? Yes, sir? we are still working on the podcast, the Will Knows podcast. Uh, Will Knows on Facebook. Coming to you soon. Okay. And I'm going to keep prodding him, viewers, and, and uh, yeah, viewers, that he'll, he'll get that done. We're going to make sure. Uh, I have a question, though, before we yes, go. Sir. You said 20 minutes ago we can ask you uh, Suns Clippers, game five. Picking the Clippers, that's right. I'm picking the Clippers. I'm picking Fair the Clippers. Enough. Yeah, Clippers is going. It's coming back to LA, and you know, hey, it's the Clippers. I have reasons. Y'all can y'all can disagree. That's okay. <laughs> logically, I mean, you can logically you can say, Chris, what are you doing? That's cool. That's fine. <laughs> but I'm Chris Gardner, KG of the Houston Round Bar Review. If you haven't already watched it, the uh, press conference of Raphael Stone, GM, it's on. YouTube at Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, as well as my conversation with Landon Gosling, Sunshine, from U of H, <laughs> his uh, time on the Bachelorette. I talked to him about that. I have reached out. I hate plugging or mentioning or referring to some interviews that I have uh, have not happened yet because some of them, mm-hmm. I don't want to bash the folks or whatever kind of thing. I'm still working on one. One is a pretty big person if he, if he agrees to it. Um, it's a big-time person. Very high up. Um, then coaches, mm-hmm. um, women's coaches are getting ready to hit the road, recruiting trail. So I'm trying to line up some some of them. But I'll get back to interviewing my colleagues who cover the American Athletic Conference uh, basketball, maybe in July, uh, probably hopefully in July, before they get into their uh, basketball football mode. Some of them cover uh, sports in the AAC, not just basketball like I do. But yes, Houston Round Bar View on YouTube. Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, Twitter. You can see right there the HR Review website, the HRR.com as well. Some folks say HoustonRoundBarReview.com. It's, it's both. But, yeah, so we touched on Dane, Chauncey, the Trailblazers and their situation. Um, oh, okay, let's put it out there. Let's wrap it up. I think Becky Hammond was gonna replace, is going to replace Pop in San Antonio. I, I am not going to set the world on fire until, unless she does not get the job to replace Pop. Because I think that's what Pop is waiting for. I think that's what's going to happen. Now, if she doesn't get that job, okay, I got issues with all kinds of stuff, you know, the NBA and, and their, why aren't you hiring Becky Hammond, you know, that kind of stuff. Because I think he's qualified, especially for the job in San Antonio to be the head coach of the Spurs. Thoughts on that? Then we'll close it out. Andy, yeah, I agree. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think San Antonio would probably be the best fit in terms of just the whole atmosphere and the culture that's already established with the Spurs and kind of transitioning from Pop to, the, to Becky. And one thing we, did, we didn't touch on during this last few minutes, Dallas, what's going on with the Mavericks and their mm. head coaching hires? Um, she could have. I mean, no, no, I feel like she could have really. They they weren't gonna hire her in Dallas. I no, and the Jason Kidd Do stuff. You, um, hmm. I didn't even, I had forgotten about it. I'm not excusing it, but I've forgotten about his domestic abuse issues. I have his, his issues of how he burned bridges 
with his head coaching jobs <laughs> in yeah, the NBA. Yeah. You know, that, that was my deal with him. Mm -hmm. So adding to that, the domestic abuse issues from years ago, I can see why Mavs fans have problems with that. But, you know, I mean, he didn't – how he did the Bucks, you know, and prior to that, you know, he just – Jay Kidd, he says he's learned from those previous head coaching stops. Okay, we shall see. Well – yeah, I, I think he has. I mean, you think about it, in hindsight, he got the Brooklyn job nine days after he retired as a player. So, you know, was there a curve there? Absolutely. And, you know, he did some things, you know, you know, pouring a, a cup of pop and hit me so he can <laughs> time out. I mean, stuff like that. But, um, the, you know, burning the bridges in Milwaukee to the point that Giannis was ready to go into the front office and spite for his job. Um, but from all reports, his, his two years in, in L.A. under Vogel, um, top to bottom, every to a person, everyone that speaks of, of him in that time has said he's learned and he's grown. And so that's all you can that's all you can expect. I mean, you know, he you know, he had his issues in the past, like Chauncey Billups. We talked about it earlier in the show. He's had his issues in the past. Well documented. Um, are we going to continue to hold him hostage? from those transgressions, or are we going to allow him to prove that he's grown and allow him to move forward? You know, time will tell. Yeah, because, um, you know, his, his his time in Brooklyn wasn't great either, but yeah. I think he's learned, and if Mark Cuban, Dirk, has, has vouched for him, then that carries a lot of cachet, you know, with Cuban and, and the Mavericks organization. So give him, I think he deserves another shot, and we'll go from there. We say, Andy? Um. To the whole Dallas Mavericks situation, I'll, I'll say one thing. I'll leave it at this one. There's, there's the old saying where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't know the way Rick Carlisle and that whole the front office, the general manager for the Mavericks, the way they just up and left out of, I mean, seemingly nowhere. There wasn't much noise that that was going to happen, um, you know, before the end of this season. And Luca, he's due up for his first real big extension, which I hate to compare it to different sport and especially right now with everything going on in terms of but i'll, I'll compare it to kind of to the to texans a little bit where it's not completely the same but yeah. dallas should it, it'll be interesting to see what happens a couple of years now with luca just in terms of how this whole thing ended with rick carlisle and that front office it's it's odd and yeah like i said there's got to be something going on that probably will come out in the next few months i'd say and especially with Rick Carlisle turning around and getting that Indiana job, you know, not that far out. Well, that's the business of the NBA. I think Rick saw the writing on the wall with the, the uh, Tim Cato reports and the issues with Don Nelson. It's time to go. I think everybody agreed to part, you know, Don Nelson been there for 24 years and Rick head coach for what was it? 13 years, 13. a long time. Yeah. Okay. So I think they, and Luca and Rick did not get along, you know, all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they kind of they banged heads a few times, but, you know, I mean, star players and head coaches, they do that sometimes, you know, but when Rick stepped down, I knew he had a job lined up somewhere. Mm -hmm. I just, I, did, I knew that, you know, mm -hmm. first I thought it was Boston, but then when I mean, got the job, I was like, well, you can get the Pacer job. And sure enough, he got the Pacer job. So, but then Rick, before he was official with the Pacers, he spoke up and said Jason Kidd should get the job with Dallas. <laughs> That's what I had a question about. <laughs> so this is all business. It's all tied together. It's all connected. 
you know, sometimes we just overthink it. This is all connected. So Rick vouching, because that's strange. You know, Very. you you leave a job and then you're like, oh, but I think this is going to be the guy who should replace me. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. And he got the job. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's all connected. It's, it's strange. Okay. We're going to wrap it up because it's got time. We all say the Bucks going to win game three. You want to make a prediction on the score? Oh, no. I don't know. I don't, don't do that. I don't. Will it be close? In Atlanta? Less, less um, than 10. Probably. I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll take that because they are playing on the road. You know, Atlanta's going to, you know, get some, you know, some emotion from that crowd. Yeah. So, but I still think, well, again, Giannis can't take threes. Giannis has to go to the cup. Okay, Will, but what if Chris Middleton gets hot? Then, oh, that is definitely up. Well, game's over. If, if it's over, yeah. If, if Middleton gets hot, then yeah, I'll stretch it to 10 12. I'll go 10 12, maybe 15. I'll take the over. I think Milwaukee's got a, a big win for game three. I, I'll, I'll lean more to it, Andy, but my concern with this is the Hawks have pride. They got blasted, you know. So, but I, I, I think, and boy, I, I doubt it. Even though I picked the Bucks this whole playoffs to get to the NBA Finals, they've given me reason to doubt them a whole bunch of times. I think the Bucks are finally going to show that they're a better team. It's going to start tonight in Game Three, and they're going to win by eleven. So mm. I'm being slightly over 10. <laughs> so, but, you know, all right, fellas, thank you once again for, for uh, joining me on this. Hang tight. I got something to say to y'all when we go shut it down. I can't shut off the cameras. We'll shut off the live broadcast, share something with you. But Lenara, man, thank you very much for your comments. He's got the hearts. So keep tuning. I see. He said low scoring game. So mm. how low scoring? Lenara, what you got? Both teams in the 90s or? We got another 84 in the back 80s kind of game, game we saw last night. What, what are you saying, Lenar? Chime in real quick, man, if you can. But um, this is great, man. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we're going to do this more. Our Sunday's good for y'all until uh, mm -hmm. what, have you cover football? Yeah. Okay, so we may go back to Fridays. Uh, Lincoln Scott, Mr. Cougar, Mr. Alum, he chimed mm -hmm. in. He got Hawks by three. So we may go back mm -hmm. to Fridays. Saturday, but we'll see. Cause I, I think, you know, he said Hawks win with eighty six. Hmm, okay, another game hmm. close to my heart. Then if it's gonna be in the eighties, I'm <laughs> old school, so that'd be good for me. But okay, but we're gonna do these in the future and just tune in to us on Twitter or if you are a subscriber or if not, subscribe to uh, Houston Rambar View on YouTube because you get the notices there, and uh, you know, so you get the notices of, of when the shows come on. I need to do a better job of notifying my community. On YouTube, my followers there, trying to get to five thousand on YouTube, folks. I'm on forty nine hundred, so I'm trying to get to five thousand. So help me with that. Rocket fans love the channel. Much love to y'all. Thank you very much for that. U of H fans, come on, people, support your boy. I'm an alum too. Show some of that love. Become subscriber. Click on that bell. Come on, <laughs> become subscriber to that. Guys, thank you very much. Hang tight. We're gonna shut it down. Three dudes talking sports. Soon to be three folks talking sports. We need to get some logos. Looking for some sponsors to do this going forward. But we're gonna make this happen. So thank you very much as always. Talk about a lot, man. We talked about NBA playoffs, some serious stuff. Talked about Cougs basketball and, and the schedule, non-conference. My Quinn Grimes and his NBA draft combine. We talked about the Rockets. Mm -hmm. We can do this.
and we do do this. So thank you very much for tuning in. Everybody take care, and uh, we will see you. What else say, guys? As of right now, we'll, we'll hammer it out soon, but Friday? Mm, that works. I can do Friday. That works. Friday. Okay, so we're, we're aiming for this Friday, and that would be, what is that? July First. Second. First? Second. July 2nd. Second. 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 Okay, so yeah, we're, we're, we're shooting for July 2nd, so thank you very much for tuning in, and y'all take care.